Welcome to Vintage Annals Archive Outsider Podcast. This is Rich Wexer. I've been teaching full-time for four days this week, and I am a little fried. Uh, so I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, welcome to the end of the fucking strike. Thank you very much. For all the people that fought that stuff, you are saints. Um, I'm very excited today to be putting out episode 57 with Sam Levine. Sam was in, I first saw it, got to know Sam through Freaks and Geeks. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, countless other projects. Sam is, to me, just a very authentic, very funny, uh, just very sweet human being. Um, big fan of everything he does. And it was a, really a pleasure to to talk to him. Um, and I want to thank Eric Edelstein, who connected me with Sam. Uh, f- you know, through the, you know, again, this is based on doing a... Um, this, this episode also serves, again, as episode 10 in our Pelt and Minx podcast. We have another five coming out. We've done all these interviews check it out uh but again eric was very generous and sam was very generous and neither of them were actually in season two which is mostly the podcast so they weren't even going to benefit from this and they were still very gracious um anyway enjoy until next time Thank you so much for doing this, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Um, I really, it's really great. It's a pleasure to meet you and to talk to you. So thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Rich. Very, very sweet of you to say. My, yeah. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. Uh, you you, you name-checked the right guy, Eric Edelstein. So. In doing some quick research, I have to know about you doing stand-up at Bar Mitzvahs when you were 12 years old. I mean, yeah. You know, it was uh, uh, I was 11 years old, and the late, great Richard Jenny uh, had an HBO comedy hour called Platypus Man. And uh, I watched it and thought, oh, yeah, no, that's it. That's what I'm clearly supposed to be doing, standing on stage telling jokes. So then I started, I, first I memorized Rich's act, and then I started writing my own terrible jokes. And by the time I was 12, uh, I emceed my sixth grade talent show, doing, doing a mix of uh, Rich's jokes and some of my own. And all of my classmates thought it was hilarious. So not long after that, when you, you know, the started turning 13 and they were like, Hey, Sam, do you want to, can you, do you want to tell some jokes at my reception? Like you, like you did it at the talent show. That was really funny. So that's exactly how I started doing it. I was just like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll, sure. I'll get up there. I, I didn't forget the jokes. So I went and I would start telling these same jokes uh, for friends at, at bar and bat mitzvahs. I must've done 12 to 15 Bar and bat mitzvahs in, in that year, maybe more. Are you comfortable offering one of those jokes? So like I said, I was definitely using a lot of Rich's jokes, but like for my own, it, I, I had this joke where I was like, uh, you know, we're, we're teenagers now. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be healthy. want to, you know, want to look good for the ladies. Uh, so, you know, I started lifting weights, but man, those things are heavy, right? There you go. Did I cut out the... Okay, sure. What was it like playing a badass Jew for uh, um, Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Uh, that was phenomenal, man. That was a dream come true for me. Uh, you know, not not just to get to be in a Quentin movie, he's maybe my favorite director of all time, but to be one that was so, you know, identifiable as like a badass Jew, uh, which is all I've ever really wanted to be seen as a badass Jew. And let's be honest, the only way that's going to happen is in a fictional world 
where uh, you know uh, Hitler loses the war very badly. So uh, yeah, it it was it was tremendous, you know. And 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 Quentin, to his credit, really tried. I know it was his goal. He succeeded mostly. He wanted to hire all Jewish actors to play the bastards. Uh, you know. So between me, Eli Roth, and NBJ Novak, I think I think he did okay. Was that an was that an audition that like? it's got to be tricky to think that's gonna you're gonna get that just because of being playing a badass Jew but you know you're a smaller man I'm not insulting it's just you know you don't think about like I'm thinking about you know like the expendables you're not you will not be casting the expendables I would not be casting the expendables that is a very different type of movie you are correct uh no the the audition was great because I I yeah I'd met Quentin years earlier so I wasn't walking into the room completely cold. You know, I I, I got into uh, the room and originally when you sit down with Quentin, uh, he didn't want me to read anything. He just wanted to shoot the shit. I hope I can curse. He, yeah, he just wanted to, you know, see how the vibe was. And and so we chatted for about a half hour. And then uh, this was on a Friday. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, here's the script. Come back on uh, uh, Monday and we'll do all the... Yudovich and Donowitz stuff. And so I memorized the entire, like all the Yudovich scenes, all the Donowitz scenes. And so I went back on Monday and those are the scenes that I did with him. And I mean, with him, like he was my scene partner. Uh, we, we spent most of the time doing Yudovich. And you remember Yudovich, they call him the little man. So he he wanted a smaller actor for that role, which which was why the size thing was, you know, in my favor. I have to rewatch it, but did you get to like punch people and shoot people and shit? Uh, in deleted scenes, yes. Oh no! Yeah, oh, I gotta watch those. Uh, I, I kind of tried to get into some of your influences, and I was curious about the Marx Brothers, how they yeah. influenced you. Tell me just about I don't know a little bit about like you know. So I I grew up in a family, uh, both my immediate and extended families, big 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 film lovers, and on my mother's side, her father not just a big film guy, but a big film comedy guy. Like he loved the silent era. He loved the, 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 the clown era, the slapstick era. So very big for him was Buster Keaton, the Marx Brothers, Chaplin. Uh, and so he had this library of VHS tapes. And so every time we'd visit my grandpa, he would always ask me, what do you want to watch? What haven't you seen? What do you want to borrow? And so he lent me all of these Marx Brothers movies that I watched when I was nine, 10 years old, thought it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen. And, and that's really a, a very strong influence on my sense of comedy. And uh, and so I, my two favorites are Groucho and, and Harpo, uh, you know, Groucho for the wittiness and Harpo for the slapstick. That's cool. All right. Sure. I have to ask about Joe Flaherty working with him because I am a... I, you know, you and I were probably both weird Jewish kids, very young, and SCTV what, still is one of my favorite things. I'm just curious, were you an SCTV fan? Huge SCTV fan. So what was it like just getting to know him at all? If, I don't know how much you, how much directly you work with him or not, but I was just curious. We, we shared remarkably few scenes together, but we were on set a lot together. Uh, and I have to give Joe huge credit. Because at this point in my career, and I've worked with so many people, and you know, rather so many people whose work I'm a big fan of, and you know I want to fanboy out with them, and 
they don't, they don't, they don't want that. They're not interested. <laughs> in that. But when I was 17 and working with Joe Flaherty, I really, I didn't know any better yet. Right. And so I would fanboy out in front of him all the time. And he was not just so nice about it, but he would jump into the bits with me. Oh, wow. He would, he, th- those, those sketches were just as vivid to him as they were to me. So I would jump into Guy Caballero's sketches with him and he would just fall right into character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you want to talk to Guy Caballero? What, what can Guy do for you today? And it was fucking amazing to me. That was mind blowing to me. That he would that he would do that with me. He would play with me like that. Whereas I I've not met a single other actor who would do that just for some punk 17-year-old teenager. But that's how much it meant to him and the other SCTV cast members, how great that show was. It meant the world to them as it did to us. And that was that was pretty cool. Curious on when you talk about bits, give me one, oh. give me one or two sketches that are like are are your like SCTV. My SCTV my SCTV favorite sketches are weird ones. Um, like, like little throwaways, but I don't know, maybe the one I often think about only because it just, it comes up so often in my line of work is it, it was Eugene Levy doing Perry Como. Yeah. 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 Uh, sleep, the sleep, like still, sleeping. still alive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's him less and le- the smallest amount of energy to perform. And yes, the last shot is him literally laying face down on the stage with the microphone laying next to him and he's doing all like the big disco songs of the day you know uh, staying alive staying alive uh, that guy is another if you worked with him ever he's a fucking genius not not worked with but but i have i have chatted with him we had him on the other podcast i used to do and yeah he's brilliant he's amazing so you know that and and you know uh, rick moranis doing the merv griffin show uh rick. remember that where, where he was doing multiple characters and he did the walk. I can't do it because we're in too tight a frame. He did the Merv Griffin, the stuck out chest walk. Oh, oh show, show, show us your line. He, I have to say he's probably my favorite in that cast because of just, he's just, he, I don't know. I, I did pick up some tidbits on research. What, what, you know, it said you were voted 99th in the VH1's top 100 child stars. Now you have survived child stardom pretty well. Thanks. But that's it. Like, what what is it like to be on that I, list? And who's I'm going to tell you. you. I'm going to tell you about that list. <laughs> um, so uh, first off, I oddly I've never really thought of myself as a child star because I, the very first thing I did that anyone could have seen, I was already 17. Yeah, I, I hear so that. So in my mind, I'm really, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Was late teens, like yeah, you weren't you a child. About, like Mara Wilson or right. uh, you know, someone like that, like Raven yeah. Simone. Like no, those were child stars yeah 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 yeah. um but uh maybe anyway, why you're VH1, 99th <laughs> yeah. but vh1 wanted to do a a thing where it was like the 100 greatest okay. child stars of all time and they asked me to be a talking head on it okay so obviously to get the easy yes they said by the way you made the list oh my god and i was like really how am I on a list of any of child stars? Hundred? I don't even think I'd crack the top five hundred. But okay, all right, VH1. I see what you did there. Flattery will get you everywhere. Okay, I'll sit down. So that was it. They just they got me on the list. I I think I think little Bow Wow was one hundred. So I was like, okay. I have to look up this list now. I'm just they didn't want to. You know, they snuck me in there. Yeah, they snuck me in. 
it's fun. I was very, I was very flattered. I was grateful. It was a fun, it was a fun shoot. And I think I, I watched that and it was, you know, it was fine. All right. We got, we got a few minutes to talk movies. It, sure. you know, I looked you up, um, there was that movie trivia thing you did and I should know the name, but I didn't write it down. I know you oh. did a lot of stuff with Doug Loves movies and, and uh-huh. it seems like you, you filling in for Leonard Maltin's got to be fucking kick-ass. So what I wanted to ask you is, I have a two-part question that's really quick. What is the movie you've gone back to the most and what has been the movie that's the, been the hardest watch for you that you actually stuck it out through, no matter how long it took? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, the movie I go back to the most, I mean, that changes all the time, but... Um, it, can, it can be revolving. I'm okay if it's revolving. Yeah, it's a hard I, question to ask. It, it's a just, tough one. I mean, like, if you're asking me, like, my favorite movie? I'm at, No, I'm asking you on... I'm more curious about your best, your favorite film experience. Okay, that's a great question. My favorite film experience... Wow, you know what? I've never given this as an answer before. So here you go, uh, Rich. It's exclusive for you. I appreciate uh, Masters that. of the Universe. Okay. Remember that from 1987? Yeah. Starring Dolph Lundgren, he's He-Man. Well, I was five years old, and my mother took me and my brother to see that at Radio City Music Hall in New York. It was a Holy huge shit. production they did of screening this movie. And, you know, they sold all the He-Man. We were big He-Man fans. I was five. You know, they sold all the He-Man crap, the swords and the thing and the, you know, and the light up stuff. And, you know, they packed Radio City Music Hall. So there's, I don't even know what the capacity is, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, whatever it is. Were there mascots mascots moving around and dancing? Oh, yeah. There were people in costumes and singing and dancing. It was a whole thing. And it was just an unbelievable day. And the curtain comes back and they start the movie and a Masters of the Universe. And it was the first real giant, like, theater-going experience. I remember we were there to see a movie. And, you know, I mean, that movie is objectively terrible. But uh, when you're five, it's the greatest thing you've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. And so uh, that that was probably my single best or favorite movie going experience that I can remember. I mean, you know, it probably second place is seeing Inglorious Bastards. It can. Yeah, that's cool. That's probably up there. Uh, is it but, comfortable uh, for you? Are you one of those actors that has a hard time watching themselves in movies? Uh, no, I can watch myself in movies because I know I'm terrible. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. Other actors are like, oh, I, I judge myself. I'm like, oh, I judge myself anyway. We're gonna we're gonna go to the '70s. We're gonna go to gonna go to mix. It, yeah. I read there's someone asked you a question. It was about well, if you go back in time or what decade would you want to live in. You said the '70s mostly for for Zeppelin. Um, oh. If you had to be one of the in the band who would you choose to be if you had to just all of a sudden live your life as one of the Led Zeppelin members which one and why oh my god can I be the manager can I can I be Peter Grant I mean I'd probably be I'd be Bono man you know John Bonham he was so great he was so great uh and I like to drum I'm not, I can't actually drum like at any sort of real capacity, but my steering, any steering wheel or table nice. or surface that is near me during a Zeppelin song yeah. is going to get my rendition of whatever Bonham was doing. One thing I want to, it seemed obvious that you and Eric had a big, had some chemistry. And then, and then looking at both of you guys for some research for this, there's some commonalities. I'm just curious on your friendship with Eric how that might have influenced working together and you know we we try to and this for for a certain amount of time this was like a a storytelling podcast so i love pulling out stories Mm -hmm. can you share a story on working on minx about you and eric if you're comfortable 
of course. Um, so I, I've known Eric now for what feels like 20 years. Wow. Uh, it, it, it may, it may actually be around that long. And what's sad is that he and I were talking about it. We're like, we could not remember exactly where and when we met, but it, we, in our, both our brands were like, but it's been decades. Uh, so yes, we've known each other forever. Uh, certainly through the comedy world, through Upright Citizens Brigade, through a million mutual friends, probably chief among them, Derek Waters. Like we go way back. We, we've yeah. known each other. I always like he's just one of the happiest, most delightful, charming, sweet, hilarious people uh, I've nice. ever known. Like he's an infectious guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so just being around him is always such a memorable experience. Nice. Um, and so we'd never gotten the opportunity, at least I don't think, to be on camera together. We've done a bunch of stage stuff together. We've done podcasts. We've done uh, readings. Uh, but I don't think we'd ever actually gotten to be on camera together until Minx. And he is longtime buddies with Jake Johnson. Yeah. Who yeah. is, of course, uh, the male lead on the show. And he's one of the producers of the show. And so when they created those characters of uh, Willie and Franco, uh, because of his relationship with Jake and just how perfectly suited for that part he was, they offered him that role. Uh, me, I had to earn it the hard way. I had to audition okay. for the role of Franco. And so I had to send in a self-tape because that's, you know, all it is these days, yeah. self-tape. So I sent that in and I just, I read the sides and thought, oh, well, this is just an odious, horrible, you know, radio personality. Who did I, and in my head, I just heard him as Alex Jones. So <laughs> that's literally what I did for the, for the audition. I was doing with my, my buddy, the great Dean Cameron. And I only, you know, I vaguely remember the audition sides. It was like yeah. So uh, tell me, what what is it about these women? Why, why can't they just uh, accept, you know, a nice meal, some flowers, kicking back? What's so hard about that? Huh? That's a that's a date. Why isn't that a date? And so that's literally what I did for the audition. And then they offered it to me. And then we got there and we started sort of, you know, uh, rehearsing it and whatnot. So I, I softened it up a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, that's basically my take on Franco. And, and he's just being an absolute jerk. And I got to tell you, there is nothing... There's few things more fun than being an a colossal prick with your buddy. Yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with people and I feel like there's this dynamic almost the nicest the nicer you try to be, the more the more it's like, you know, I look at it like the um bullying. If you get bullied, it's sometimes you gotta bully somebody else. In the same way, if you are, you know, if you're a sensitive person, if you've been through some shit, you gotta get it out. And so playing an asshole is like so therapeutic. I, I you know, I I I I've got to do that a little bit and, I, and it's fun. I love being a horrible person, but not, you know, in real life. Right, not in real life. But I think the, pe the, pe the people that are nicer kind of push it to the other end and have more fun with it. Was it weird, you know, as an actor in that scene, is it weird to saying horrible shit to, to women while you're doing it? Did that feel like wrong in some sense or were you just in your character? Uh, I was just in character. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that that is a very... Uh, that is a show that does not glorify the statements of Willie and Franco. No, quite the opposite. You know, like it's nice that we're saying them and then we're immediately put in our place. And I think so, that, I think that scene is stronger because of that, to be honest, I think that's a really oh, interesting sure. scene. And I love yeah. watching you, especially I just rewatch this because I've seen makes like six times. It's one, I, there's more to it. I, it during COVID it hit me. I feel like Minx felt like the Muppet show because all the characters 
cared about each other, but they were they fucked with each other, but they were all kind, more or less, except for the villains at the end of the day. And it just felt like a it felt like I was very it was very apparent to me that whoever made that, that working on that show as a group was a good experience. Cause I don't think you would have gotten that kindness and authenticity on the screen if it wasn't in the process. Uh, no, I agree. It, it, I, I think it's one of uh, the best written shows on television, uh, truly. And uh, hats off to Ellen Rappaport. Who, you know, she she created the show. And I think it's such a great, rich, wonderful yeah. world uh, with themes that were as present today, even maybe yeah. more so than they were in the in this that, you know, version of the 70s that she's talking about. I want to go back to Eric. If you have you ever pitched an idea for you and Eric or what would that be if you haven't? I mean, well, the joke of it was, you know, as soon as the two of us got cast, I said, oh, if this isn't the spinoff, you know, what are we doing with our lives? But uh, no, I've, I've never pitched anything specifically for us. But I mean, my God, it's just it's so right there. Right. Give me a dream project for you and you and Eric. If you can give me a take a minute. Give me a, what would be like your if you if someone said, look, I've got a bunch of money. Out, I need a movie. What would it be? Or uh, series? Well, it, it's going to it's got to be something where it's like it's a world's strongest man competition. <laughs> Where like and I'm his manager trainer, you know, like I I'm his I'm his Mickey the Mickey to his Rocky. Okay, you know the Burgess Meredith with the earpiece. Uh, Come on, stop doing. Oh my god, that but you can lift it. You know that, and he's lifting cars or motorcycles over his head. Something oh my god. just insane. I'll, I'll donate a few bucks like to that. that. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I was wondering in today's culture, and I, I don't imagine this happening, but did anybody? Did you ever get like? you know, playing this men's right advocate, did anybody ever like write to you and say, good job, thanks? Did you ever, did you get any like, I don't imagine it happening, but I was imagining it'd be awesome if it did. Right, I did not only because uh, to know that my character exists, you have to actually watch the show in the first place. Yeah. And based on the trailers, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of idiot fucking men's rights advocates who would tune this show on in the first place, so. So I don't think they would get that far. Even in filming, what was the difference between your character, if you whatever you did for the show, versus season one? If you're able to share that, um, there, there's not much different for Willie and Franco in season two. They're still colossal pricks. They still have absolutely no idea how to interact with women. Uh, so yeah, I, that's that. I can say that. That's for shit sure. Okay, last question. You got a minute? We'll call it a day. Okay. I've, you know, I, I talk, I, this is my like eighth interview and I, I interviewed Carly who does makeup. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had about dicks. I, I, are you comfortable sharing a penis related mink story with me at the moment? I don't what have if, any, I don't have any penis related mink stories. Any, they don't, they didn't, you didn't just get one didn't. just underneath, you know, <laughs> just for fun. I just, just want to have one. So I know I, so yeah. I know I'm, I have, you know, I just want to yeah. be part of it. Um, no, I, I don't have any of those stories. I didn't ask. I mean, look, I know they're very sensitive to, uh, you know, uh, having like an onset, uh, intimacy coordinator. That's what they call themselves. Intimacy coordinators. And I know they have many on that show because so many of those scenes are of a very, you know, sensitive nature. And, uh, I, I, I think it's a good thing we have intimacy coordinators on shows like that now, because I certainly don't have any experience with minks, but I've bared my ass before in other in other projects. And, you know, they didn't have intimacy coordinators. And then it falls to the actor to sort of be their own advocate. 
And some actors are more comfortable being their own advocate than others. So um, I think it's really great that they sort of really take the lead on telling actors like, no, we, we think it, at least it's my understanding. They the actors who are even willing to show their own junk. They're like, oh, we're so happy that you're willing to. We're still going to put you in a prosthetic. Thanks so much for your time. This is really great to talk to you. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. You have a great night, man. You too, dude. Take care. Thanks again, Sam. All right. Thank you so much for uh, checking this out. Again, it's a pleasure to put these episodes out after four months of having to put them on hold during the strike. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to release these and to be free to actually speak to people that I've booked interviews with like months ago and I've had to wait. Uh, please check out our podcast. Vinny um, Jano's Archive is our, is our Instagram. Uh, we have a really nice following. It's really I treat it like a community. It's a really nice community of people who are really kind to each other and good to me. Not always. There's always a few trolls, but 99% of the people are great. And it's, it's a lot of fun to do. We have a really nice fan base, and I love interacting with people. Um, please pass on our our uh, our podcast. We don't have money to pay for a lot of advertising. We don't, we're not part of a network. It's all word of mouth. We have, I got to say, you know, I'm still coming to terms with whether, I'm, whether I suck or not in doing this. But I do know that we get amazing guests, and they're, they're worth the price of the ride, which is free. Um, that being said, we could always use support. Uh, we can join our Patreon. That helps. But you really just spreading the word is really helpful. I mean, we, we're on now episode 55. Did I say this was? We've got a lot. Um, and I've recorded more. And, and we just keep getting the most amazing people. I feel like it's a dream to do this. i got to be honest. I don't make any money. But, like, I, I've gone to meet some of the most amazing people and got to share their stories with people. And that, that has so much more value than anything else. So please enjoy it and please share um, we don't we don't have the funds to pay to pay for advertising anyway at all, uh, and we and we do have like to me if if you if you like the world we're creating, there's a lot of great stuff here. There's hours and hours. There's sixty some hours of really interesting conversations. Again, more more coming from the guests than myself, but you know I'm working on it. All right, thanks so much. Uh, until next time, and also check out our website uh, vintagejournalsarchive.com. We've got a photo archive of found photos. We have a bunch of these deep dives, which are just different like educational resources about the kind of stuff we post. We got a video archive on there. Um, a lot of cool shit. All right, enjoy, take care. We thought indeed.